Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steppy, taking some time this week to answer some Iowa football questions from our text to update subscribers. You can join the group for free by either texting 319-729-8193 or going to the page joinsubtext.com slash Hawkeyes. It's a great way to be able to text me any questions you got about the Hawks and keep up with our coverage. Okay, now let's jump into questions. Matt asks about why Kirk doesn't promote another assistant coach to co-offensive coordinator or assistant offensive coordinator to give Brian Ferentz some help. I think there was a window where they could have done this. It would have been, though, when Ken O'Keefe left and you had that position open, the other route that could have been taken would be to hire a quarterback's coach and make that person co-offensive coordinator along with Brian Ferentz. Obviously, they went a different route, and in doing so, added somebody who's really well-regarded around the building with Abdul Hodge as tight ends coach. So, There was a window to do that then, probably not now. Um, I think they're going to want to give Brian Ferentz a chance as quarterback's coach and see if the more time being spent with quarterbacks helps. Um, I think there's a healthy level of skepticism among the fan base, very understandably so, considering those results. But they made the decision they made, and now it's a matter of seeing which way they go. Then Robin asks about the status of the wide receiver's health. Um, Great question. It'll be important down the road, especially now that Charlie Jones has left for greener pastures or more like a different shade of gold pastures from one black and gold to another. So without Charlie Jones, you don't have as much depth there. So wide receiver health will be a key question. At this point, it's a little too early to know. A lot of players have been working out back home, not in Iowa City. So it's hard to get a sense off that. And Kirk Ferentz hasn't addressed the media yet, um, but that should probably happen in the near future. So should know more about that later. Then Mark has two questions. The first one is the latest info on the status of the diversity advisory group. So that one, um, last we heard, is the committee 2.0, whatever you want to call it. Um, Kirk had some ideas. Um, He said, quote, I've got some ideas and I think we're getting closer. We'll probably have that wrapped up by June. Looking back at the Gazette archives for that one. So that was in, let's see, April. The committee was dissolved in January. So it's been now, if I can do math, I was told there'd be no math in journalism, about four and a half months. So there could be news coming up soon on that whenever we talk to Kirk Ferentz next. And then the second question about, or from Mark, is about Kirk Ferentz's stature in the athletic department, how much he's kind of like God in the Iowa football program and the athletic department. And within the program, it's not 
really the way that the hierarchy works pretty much anywhere in college football is the head coach really is the one in charge of everything, really the CEO of the football department. Now, considering the whole athletic department as a whole, Kurt Ferentz has more job security than anybody else in Iowa athletics and probably anybody else in the state of Iowa for that matter. If Iowa wanted to fire him without cause this year, they'd be paying more than $40 million because of that contract extension. So, you know, it's hard to find that many, you know, dollars to throw around in your seat cushions, particularly for a coach who has been having on-field success. So it's a difficult thing if they decided that that wasn't the direction they'd go in. So basically, yeah, he does have as much job security as you could imagine. As with that contract extension, it really means that he can coach as long as he wants to coach. And certainly all signs point toward him still wanting to coach for a while still. Um, so we'll see however long he wants to coach. Um, but yeah, he's the one, the ball is in his court, to say the least. So no mistaking that. Then a bunch of questions about quarterbacks. So Reese asks how the passing game might go. And I'll go into more specifics on specific people as the questions about them come up. And I think it's fair to expect some improvements. Are Those are certainly possible for the passing game. So you've got a fully healthy Spencer Petrus could help if he can stay healthy in 2022 logistically it's there are benefits to having the offensive coordinator also coaching quarterbacks considering how much time they spend together but at the same time it's not really realistic to expect some drastic difference with okay brian ferentz is not new to iowa his play calling is not new to iowa kind of know what to expect there and you kind of know what to expect to a large extent with Petrus and Padilla, where Petrus could improve, but it's probably not fair to expect him to go from 57% into the 70s. And the same with Padilla, not really fair to expect him to go from 49% all of a sudden to next Patrick Mahomes. So that's probably not going to happen. Now, there are factors that help the fact that Petrus has been spending time with the quarterback whisperer, Tony Uraciope, who worked with Kenny Pickett, the top quarterback in the NFL draft and the top quarterback by a very wide margin this year. So you've got those factors. Alex Padilla works with Tim Jenkins out in Colorado. So... You could see some improvement there. I think that's fair, but I wouldn't expect necessarily a huge difference. And Padilla, maybe you see a little more from him than what Iowa fans saw with a relatively smaller sample size last year. So then more specifically um, from Scott, he's asking about whether the Hawkeyes are really going to consider another year of Spencer Peters at quarterback. 
And I understand the frustration among a lot of fans about Petrus and his performance. When you look at it, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions, certainly doesn't get the job done. Now, a couple of things. One thing, as I mentioned earlier, if he's healthy, Petrus is a different quarterback when he's healthy. Um, I think it's nine of the 10 touchdowns were before the Purdue game and seven of the nine interceptions came either in the Purdue loss or after that. So it's clear it was not the same Spencer Petrus. If you can get the first half of Spencer Petrus back, you're in business. And his completion percentage wasn't spectacular during that, but it was enough, obviously, to get by considering they were 6-0 and at that point. Now, the other thing, too, is because the nature of it is, okay, as I was mentioning earlier, it's not fair to expect him to all of a sudden be completing 70-plus percent of his passes. But you also kind of have to look at the alternatives, and you don't have Dan Marino waiting in the wings here. So Petrus has shown when he's healthy a chance to put teams in a position where they can win. So, you know, Kurt Ferentz clearly believes he has two quarterbacks that he believes he can win with. But, you know, you have to kind of keep in mind this is the Big Ten West, and you've got who you've got with that. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes the frustration can add up. Um, I think sometimes it's a tough spot, particularly for the quarterback. Because when you're in those second and 13 situations, when you have a minus three yard run, that kind of takes away any element of surprise when you're in some of these longer passing situations. So that's another thing to kind of keep in mind with that. But, you know, if you get Petrus in the low 60s, I think that's in terms of completion percentage, I think. Iowa fans would probably be happy with that. I think that's enough to put the team in a position to win games. You're obviously going to need the defense and special teams to be making plays with those numbers, but it would put you in an okay spot. And, you know, you especially need the defense and the special teams with the harder schedule this year, but that's a whole nother conversation there. Then, Norman asks, and this one gave me a laugh, if there's a third quarterback lurking in the bushes. And right now, QB3 appears to be Joe Labus. He's a little bit of the wild card in this quarterback competition. People know a lot about Petrus. They know, I'd say, a good amount about Padilla as well. Um, both of them have looked probably better than the other at various points in 2021. Um, but Labus is a little bit of the wild card because nobody's seen him in games. He looked promising in the spring spring game would be a little generous, the spring open practice. Um, so, you know, that's always a good sign, but that's one out of 15 practices. So take that for what it's worth and take the fact that those were third team snaps and not the first team defense by any means into account there. So then the second part of Norman's question is about how the two basketball teams are shaping up. 
And I'll start with women's basketball. Anytime you have a core group like Clark, like Sonano, like somebody that Lisa Bluter has called countless times the glue, Kate Martin, they're all coming back. You got a lot of role players coming back, a lot of key reserve players like O'Grady down low. That's obviously a good position to possibly have a deep postseason run. Obviously, you can't take anything really for granted in terms of postseason. Iowa found that out at the hands of Creighton this past year. But they're in a position where it's very reasonable to expect them to be competing for maybe an elite eight or maybe even a final four appearance. Then on the men's basketball side, having Chris Murray back, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but still important. Obviously, you lose Keegan Murray. You don't have those players come around very often. Iowa has lately. Luca Garza, now Keegan. But it's easy to, once you have a few of those, assume that they'll keep coming. And that's easier said than done. It'll be interesting to see what is the next step for Chris Murray. Um, when you look at it, I think if you were to compare, because it seems like the comparison seems to be sometimes, okay, is Chris going to take that jump that Keegan made a year earlier? And I think Chris, when you look at a lot of the analytics is in a better position now than Keegan was a year ago to make that jump. But then again, what Keegan did is pretty incredible. So it's early to say, you know, um, we have another however many months here, five months to think about it. Um, but we'll see. Um, so if Chris Murray steps up, though, I think team should be in good shape. The big question is and be down low post wise. It's a little bit of a vulnerability right now. and. You know, Iowa has been looking in the transfer portal, but so far no luck on adding really a post presence there along with, you know, Rebraca. So it wouldn't be as much on him. So that'll be the big question, I think, for men's basketball is going to be the post, how that shapes up. Because this year, that was a challenge at times. Obviously, you know, they got by against some teams considering they beat Purdue for the Big Ten tournament title. But you're going to run up against some good post players in the Big Ten, and that'll be the key question there. So, um, and then the question I kind of almost started to bring up earlier about the schedule, it's funny because the 2021 schedule, you would have thought the crossover games would have been a good challenge with an Indiana team that was ranked preseason with a Penn state team that had very high expectations and Maryland, which people thought were kind of on the up, but not Iowa good, but still improving. Then those teams didn't quite turn out so great this year. It's a tougher draw with Michigan, Ohio state and Rutgers. And particularly with the Michigan and Ohio State. And while some teams can drop down from preseason expectations, it's probably only so much that Ohio State and Michigan are going to drop down. 
So you do have a slimmer margin for error when we're talking football and the offense, where some of the things maybe you could get by with against, say, a Maryland, you might not be able to get away with against an Ohio State team. So that's another important thing to keep in mind as we continue to talk off-season football for another let's see, three months until we actually have some games to talk about. Can't wait for that. Um, but thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. Before I sign off, I'll make sure I put in a plug for a lot of the great Hawkeye content out right now on thegazette.com. Among other things, had a um, great conversation with Mary Ference and a bunch of the people involved with the Iowa Ladies Football Academy, which is having their final academy this weekend. So it was fun to tell that story and a lot of other things. Floss had a great column on LeVar Woods. So if you aren't already a subscriber, um, I really hope you consider a subscription. 99 cents for the first month for digital subscription is pretty good rate there. And supporting your locally owned newspaper is important for your community too. So there's that perk too. Well, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Hawk Off the Press. I'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.